Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm evil. Javi. <laughs> she just stuck with that first part. I'm going to talk like this the rest of the episode. Yeah, I am sure you will. I will. <laughs> and this movie, uh, this week's movie, uh, because we are approaching New Year's Eve, it's a 1980 horror film, New Year's Evil. This is the point of the year where nobody knows what's going on. It's right <laughs> after Christmas, it's before New Year's. This is my first time wearing pants in like three days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we watched this movie basically only because we knew New Year's Eve was coming up and we kind of wanted to stick to doing a horror movie a month and since we did it. We ended up doing two this month, since all we did... You know, literally all we did this month was Star Wars and Black Christmas? Yep. <laughs> so we're kicking off 2020 with New Year's Evil. I mean, it's only fair because it's about... We're coming up on our anniversary of starting this podcast, which started with a holiday-based uh, horror, film? horror film. Yes. So might as well go for the next disgusting cash grab. Yeah, and I think we talked about this at the end of our Star Wars Rise of Skywalker episode, but I'm very impressed that we've actually been able to do this for a whole year. I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this movie takes place in Los Angeles in, uh, I guess it's New Year's Eve of 1980 or 1979. 1979. Maybe? <laughs> it's never, the timeline isn't very clear. There's a lot of things in this film that aren't very clear. Who cares? This movie's going to have a very short plot summary. Like, we're, it's just... It's very bare bones and not that, uh, I guess, how can I say, not that well known, I suppose, and just not that dense. I'm on the Wikipedia page and only one person from the cast actually has a page I can go to to learn more about them, <laughs> and that is Roz Kelly. Oh. And Roz played, I don't even know who the fuck Roz played. Do you know, this movie literally looks like something that they would uh, put a... Uh, Mystery Science Theater laugh, like, you know, yeah. commentary track under. <laughs> it's super, yeah, it's definitely one of those, like, very, like, the 80s were a weird time where it felt like if you had a camera and enough money and a bunch of stupid friends willing to help you, you can make a movie. Well, let's, you know, like we did when we talked about Chris, Black Christmas. Black Christmas was the proto-Halloween movie. It was a movie that kind of had the same idea in that it was a serial killer on a holiday, but that wasn't what the main focus of this, of the movie was. This movie comes out two years after Halloween. It comes out the same year as Friday the 13th. It's maybe like a year or two before, <laughs> before Silent Night, Deadly Night. Mm -hmm. Like this is when Halloween basically kicked off the new trend in horror, which was you better do a holiday-based horror film. My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. Like, there, there's a couple weird ones. April Fool's Day is one that I also have never seen. i never seen that one either. Oh, I guess I know what we're doing in April, besides I 007. I know. <laughs> I finally saw a Thanksgiving-themed horror movie, slasher movie. It's called The Pilgrim on Hulu. It's part of... Hulu has, like, this film project called Into the Dark where they, they highlight and back, like, a bunch of um, up-and-coming, like, new directors and shit. And The Pilgrim is a Thanksgiving-based one. 
that was that was a movie I saw, <laughs> and uh, I'll leave it at that for now. Well, the funny thing about this is when we saw the trailer for this uh, last week before we did this episode, I, one, it really just reminded me of one of the Grindhouse trailers from the <laughs> from the Tarantino Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, movie. you know this was this was the type of movie that would have played during a Grindhouse double feature. And they do actually have a Grindhouse double feature scene in this film. Yeah, they, when during the drive-in scene. One of the movies, I think... What's it called? Blood Death? Blood Feast and Black <laughs> Blood, Death. I don't know. I don't know, but the point is that, yeah, like they actually do have a Grindhouse movie going in. like, And they all had the same guy doing the voiceover during that time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this film takes place in Los Angeles and it revolves around a character named Blaze who the plot summary that I've read on the internet tells me that she's a disc jockey. But when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm watching the movie, like I, she looks like more like a music video show host than anything, right? Like It's like, John, no, fuck, Carson Daly? Is that the guy I was thinking of? Yeah, I guess. I mean, the thing is, like, we're, we're just a few years away from MTV really kind of kicking off and becoming a big thing in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just seems like this movie wanted to jump on the punk rock bandwagon. Oh yeah, th- it is a total like supposedly punk rock scene. I guess Blaze is supposed to be big in the LA punk rock scene at this time. Uh, but it's very commercial for it being punk rock because she's essentially hosting like a countdown show at this like expensive hotel. On like on Hollywood Boulevard, <laughs> and it's a bunch of fucking, uh, it's a bunch of fucking punk like punk rockers that are mosh pitting to very not fitting new year like New Year's music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really bizarre, uh, but yeah, I guess so. She's supposed to be hosting this, uh, this calling this like a uh, New Year's Eve call-in show. Yes, and. It starts off with her talking to her husband, not her husband, sorry, her son. Yes, who her son and she have a, god damn it, you have to see this movie. I'm gonna, we'll tell you at the end what we think of it, but I'm just gonna tell everybody right now, you gotta fucking see this thing for yourself, because a lot of what we're gonna say is gonna sound a little bit ridiculous, but her son seems to really want to fuck her? Yes. Yes, very much so. There's literally, like, people wanting to fuck other people, like, all over this film. Yeah, this whole movie's all about the sexiness of death, I guess. (laughs) But at one point, he, like, he tries to tell Blaze that she, or that he got an an audition, he actually got a part on the show, right? That he's gonna be, like, a lead in a series, and she just kind of blows on past it. Yeah, like she's just like, hey, I got work. I'm sorry. Can you tell me about it later? Honestly, nothing a little bit like nothing too crazy to make her seem like an uber bitch. And her son is fucking psychotic enough that like he could be one of the kids from Lesson Zero. <laughs> he immediately starts playing with fucking like his switchblade, and then he starts like he he cuts open and wears her fucking uh, pantyhose or some shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why? Yeah, though it's it's really bizarre, um, but she's, apparently she's very popular, and her son just got a uh, big part on a series, which I guess you know he has auditioned for many of them, and she could not give any less of a fuck about what her mm-hmm. son is doing, which you know it's like. Also, to be fair, her son looks like 
30. So. Yeah. Like, she's a very unlikable person, but it helps that her son is, like, even more unlikable than she is. I can, <laughs> I, like, right off the bat, I have no... I have no feeling one way or the other about the sun. Yes. This film is, like, I, I have no idea who I'm supposed to identify with or kind of care about at all. But during this uh, televised, whatever the fuck this is... Countdown. <clears throat> Diane receives a phone call from a random person who, you know, much like when we did Black Christmas, it's it's kind of thought of as a br- crank call at first. Mm-hmm. But this guy is telling her that he will kill uh, some someone uh, once it hits midnight in all American time zones. Really, he just says in all time zones, and we just inferred that it was American time zones only because God bless America. <laughs> so and, and and when she you know tries to find out what his name is. His name is actually Evil. Evil! <laughs> so, let's be clear. The title New Year's Evil is literally telling you what the serial killer in this film's name is. Yeah, it wasn't like a... It wasn't even fucking clever. She, what did she say? She's like, oh, you sound like the Phantom. So, Mr. Phantom, what's your... What, what do I call you? And he goes, you can call me Evil! And she's like, okay, Mr. Evil. <laughs> and then he's like, no, Mr. Just Evil. <laughs> it totally reminded me of that scene in Austin Powers, the first one, where he and Scott are, like, in therapy. <laughs> and, she, and, like, Dr. Evil is referred to as Mr. Evil. And he goes, I did not go to evil doctor medical school. <laughs> Just to be referred to as Mr. <laughs> but yeah, apparently this killer's name is Evil. And much of this film is actually us watching him do the deed to random people. Now this guy is literally like a prop comic of serial killers. All it needs is the Benny Hill music. <laughs> he pulls out like, uh, so he pulls out a, uh, for his first victim, a doctor's costume. <laughs> so for the first victim, he goes to this. I'm assuming it's supposed to be like an insane asylum, which yes. right off the bat, the so this movie does not do any favors for as far as the any depictions of the mentally ill, especially in the 1980s. Well, if we sound like we're all over the place while we're discussing, that's it, all this movie is. Yes, this movie is all over the place. Uh, so right after, well, you know, before we forget, right after the crank call, uh, Blaze or Diane, depending on how you're feeling. She forces, I guess, the producers to get more cops because she feels scared. Mm -hmm. Because evil does threaten to kill somebody that she cares about. So she gets all worried and she wants to protect her son. So anyway, at this point, uh, this guy walks in. The the guy that we know is the killer. Evil essentially walks into this insane asylum, changes into... I guess, he, like you said, he changes into a pair of scrubs. He's either pretending to be a doctor or a nurse. And when he gets confronted by this nurse, right away, he just starts laying on the sexual charm. <laughs> and he tells her that he's actually uh, orderly, I think, coming from county to help support for the holiday. So she's all grateful. And he immediately germs the pants off her. It's really weird. Hey, doctor, I've never met before. Let's start getting sexy with each other. You trying to fuck? And then he's like, fuck yeah. And they high five and make out. 
<laughs> Essentially, that's what happened. Well, it's funny because I thought Halloween 2 was like the more insulting, like, hospital atmosphere I'd ever seen in a slasher film and this is much much worse yeah oh you talking about with the ambulance driver that's always getting it on with the nurse yeah that made me want to be an ambulance driver <laughs> yeah well this doctor apparently is gonna start getting it on with this nurse and uh Try to get her drunk and I don't know. And do the sex to her. <laughs> and right when she's about right when he's about to do it, which he you know, he's been carrying a boombox with him his entire time. <laughs> Fucking like pretending to be Radio Rahim, motherfucker. He pulls out a uh, pocket knife, which is his weapon of choice. Switchblade entire film. Sure. A switchblade. And uh, he stabs her over and over and over again and records it on his boombox. Well, he times it so that He's playing the countdown on the radio and then records the moment it says one to coincide when he stabs and his victim screams. <laughs> you know what it totally reminded me of? It reminded me when I was in high school. No, when I was like in middle school and I really wanted to rap. And this was like before computers were like, you know, where you were using recording software to record stuff on computers. I actually, somewhere in someone's basement or somewhere in some dumpster in some unnamed place in California is a tape. I'm going to find that tape. Of an instrumental that was that was done on my dad's old boombox in the <laughs> my 80s. My fucking that God. That I plugged a microphone into that I recorded myself <laughs> making music over. What was the instrumental? I don't even remember at this point. I remember it was like a Dr. Drink Chronic instrumental. <laughs> 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 oh, shit! <laughs> if anyone, and anyone... Can possibly help me find this cassette. I will pay you in love and affection. <laughs> oh my god. So he kills her. <laughs> <laughs> so he stabs the shit out of her. And then he calls into this uh, countdown show where Blaze, aka Diane, our main character, is uh, picking up the phone again. And she seems to be the only one taking this seriously, which, you know... How I don't know I don't know like how serious you would take it if somebody was calling them calling themselves evil when they were calling you. I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Fucking but I guess ass. what helps him get his point across is that he plays a recording for her of him mm-hmm. killing someone while he's calling her from a phone booth, which makes me wonder: a, when's the last time I actually saw a phone booth? And then b. I wonder what the person waiting outside to make a call in that phone booth was thinking when they were watching this. They'd be like, this guy's trying really fucking hard. (laughs) This guy's doing weird shit. But I guess on the phone call, he also mentions that a naughty girl will be punished every time a new time zone hits the new year. Like, this is a very labored and, like, exact M.O. Like, (laughs) it's super fucking, like, as far as M.O.s go, this might be the most stupid one I've ever heard. Yeah. we. It's funny because a lot of it seems to be that, uh white male incel rage that you know you hear about causing all this terrible tragedies to happen in in the real world that we live in now so javi and i started referring to this as hn the movie at some point also a spiritual successor to joker or joker would be (laughs) a spiritual successor to this yes except it's much better made than this god-awful nonsense oh my god so 
Yeah, it's really interesting that this movie follows the killer. The last movie I think I've ever seen like that would have been Henry, Portrait of a Killer, where you're... Where your serial killer is the um, is the is the main character. Let's right? be clear: just because the the serial killer is the main character, not in any way a, uh, are we trying to say that the quality is the same. Oh no, no, not at all. You know, one is uh, a very one has a tour uh, like a really crazy performance by uh, Merle Dixon, who's oh Michael Rooker. Thank you, brain, for remembering. <laughs> One has a crazy performance by Michael Rooker, and this one is a bunch of fucking nobodies slap-assing around for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know, the killer, uh, our, our killer evil actually does not look frightening at all. He is not, if anything, I guess he's kind of attractive the way people thought Ted Bundy was attractive. He's literally just a fucking yuppie who kind of looks like... But when I think yuppie, I think yuppie. Christian Bale. Shut up. <laughs> I think of uh, Christian Bale from fucking American Psycho. Yeah, he's actually reminds me more of the guy from Maniac <laughs> than anything. He reminds me of Marky Mark in Fear. <laughs> Starts beating his chest. Uh, anyway, so he then assumes the role of a... No, it was the mustache guy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, I was going to say the priest, but no, no, the no. priest Doctor is later. Doctor guy is number two. No, Doctor no, guy is number, number one. one. And then mustache guy is number two. Mustache porn star guy. Yeah. Which then le- So then he goes to a bar and he picks up a girl. And they start having really weird conversations. Right off the bat, she looks like if she was here and now. She seems like one of those girls that just follows health trends. <laughs> And she would totally talk about goop or whatever it is that Gwyneth Paltrow has going on. And so it's getting close to, at this point, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So he offers to take the girls to another party. He invites them over. And they get into his car, which is a two-seater Mercedes. But somehow the three of them fit. And while they're driving to this second party... They decide to have like a five minute scene of having the most awkward, annoying, fucking small talk conversation ever. No, no, no. It was not. This was totally necessary because one of the things that they talk about in this scene is how one of the two women apparently has like diarrhea when she's nervous. She's like, what? You never use, uh, you never used, what was, what was that she called? Meditation, right? Therapeutic meditation. She's like, it cured me of my kleptomania, and it cured her of her nervous diarrhea. (laughs) And I had to stop and dissect what the fuck nervous diarrhea is. (laughs) Like, do you shit your pants when you get scared? Shit your pants during a talent show? (laughs) Oh, jeez. You just named my biggest fury when I was 13 years old. (laughs) I was in fucking 8th grade. (laughs) But yeah, the what? So I guess they stop at some sort of gas station because of course <laughs> they stop at a liquor store. You fucking <laughs> clod. <laughs> I'm sorry, but at some points in this movie, everything was, bleeds together. So no, at some points in this movie, I was literally falling asleep. Movie, and I oh stay awake. Okay, fine. Liquor store. So we're gonna be so fucking careful not to disperse wrong information here. Yeah, we don't want to fucking we don't want to lose that liquor store crowd that we appeal to. <laughs> 
Um, so our nervous shitter gets out, and she's the one. That, <laughs> she's the one that's gonna buy a bottle of champagne. Yeah. So the the evil gives her like a hundred dollars, and is like, "Go buy the biggest bottle of champagne you can find." Which apparently only cost like $15 in 1980. Fucking fantastic. Which I think she paid for, like, she paid for it using like a $100 bill because he was giving her back a fuckload of change. For real, dude. So while she goes in, Evil decides that he wants to. You know, well, he starts freaking out because it's a little bit after 10. The other girl tells her that it's okay if they make it to the party a little bit late. So then he tells her that, you know what, what will chill them out is if they smoke, like, Colombian cigars or some shit. Sure. So he, he pulls out a bag and he's like, here, smell it, smell it, fucking smell it. And then he just throws the bag over her head. So actually, it is it, that is like the one part of this that actually does feel familiar to Black Christmas. <laughs> the is, fucking bag over the head? There yeah. Is a, there is a bag suffocation death, except it is... 50 times stupider in this film. Look, I'm going to be totally honest. You know, we talked about how the star of Romeo and Juliet was in Black Christmas. Yeah. Black Christmas is Shakespeare compared to this movie. Very <laughs> ironic because the last spoken line is actually from Shakespeare. Oh, no. Because uh, I was going to mention this at the very end. I'm like, I was going to ask you if that was from Hamlet. And turns out when I went on the IMDb page, it does end with the soliloquy on death the Hamlet gives. <laughs> it actually, it actually. I don't know why it makes me think of like my. Since we were talking about mystery science theater, mm-hmm. it makes me think of my favorite mystery science theater joke when they were doing like a TV version of Hamlet once. <laughs> Hamlet, why don't you Hamlet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he like murders her, and then when uh, nervous shitter comes out from the liquor store, she realizes that the car is gone, and then. She walks to the back of the liquor store, and there's a piece of clothing that's sticking out of the dumpster, which I guess is either her... Well, also their shoes. For some fucking reason, Evil's obsessed with women's shoes. The way they find the nurse is that her shoes are propping open the door where they find her body, and then Nervous Shitter follows the other chick's clothes to the fucking dumpster. Yeah. Where she opens the dumpster lid, and you knew they thought this was going to be very spooky. And I'm sure it did make someone shit themselves in 1980. <laughs> but he ends up, like, turning on his lighter, and all you see is a stupid mustachioed face. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a awful version of, like, the trailer for It Chapter 2. Where yeah! Up. Except this was just much stupider. It was just a guy in, like, a clearly, obviously fake mustache. Like, you can see the glue seams on that his literally, Like, literally, how come nobody called it out? But anyway, he, like, pulls her into the dumpster, <laughs> a la, like, getting sucked into a sewer. It's... You, know, you know what I just realized? Why did he even need the fucking mustache? No one saw what he looked like to begin. The only person that saw him, he killed. Oh, there will be a total reason for that. And it's going to make so much sense once we reach the end. (laughs) It will not. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it won't. (laughs) So after pulling her in, he ends up calling back into the... uh, He calls back to the uh, radio show. And, uh, you know, plays the recording for Blaze over again. 
the police are finally taking this serious after they found the corpse of the nurse. Mm-hmm. And he even gives him the cross streets where to find the corpses. And they get there and they find one of the... They find the girl with the with, that was suffocated on like a swing set. Mm-hmm. And then when they follow a trail to the slide, they find... The other girl, the nervous shitter's clothes. <laughs> she just happens to like slide down at the perfect time while they're arriving to look at the slide. I was like, what? <laughs> How do you set that shit up? <laughs> it's like a, I just want to picture like the Rube Goldberg device that's like. That's <laughs> just shoving her down the slide at the exact moment. So stupid. Um, so anyway, after he does that, he decides to call back the station again, because that's what this movie's about. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's about harassing your favorite radio disc jockey. And then uh, he kind of taunts her more, saying that he killed other people, and uh, you know that's exactly what he's doing throughout this entire time. Meanwhile, while this is happening, there is a scene where we cut back to... Uh, Blaze's Derek. yeah, where we cut back to Blaze's dressing room where Derek is there, and for some unknown reason he's like sniffing this like pantyhose. It looks like pantyhose, and I'm like, what the fuck is? At this? first, he thought it was her underwear. Yeah, which I was just like, oh. Thank God it wasn't, because <laughs> there are some lines that should not be crossed, even in shitty horror movies. I think this is still pretty gross, no matter how you slice it. But one's <laughs> yeah, less gross. <laughs> I mean, very clearly, this kid's like off his rocker, like he. He lost his shit because his mom didn't want to talk to him. Like, he's kind of a little bitch. Uh, yeah, I've never seen somebody so instantly become insane before. <laughs> like, he was looking for a reason to go crazy. <laughs> oh. So, you know what it reminded me of? I thought it was going to be like in that scene in the room where Johnny starts fucking Lisa's dress. <laughs> this is very the room to me right now. Oh, oh. tell me apart, Lisa. <laughs> ah, funny story, Mark. Okay, I'm done. I'm done quoting the room. Yes, please. If you want to listen to the room, go back to our the room podcast. And that's what we call a callback in the business. Okay, so now evil decides to dress as a priest. <laughs> It gets more and more ridiculous. (laughs) And for my next one, I will be Napoleon Bonaparte. (laughs) Well, the the best part about this is that for some reason, it wouldn't stop making me think about a Halloween where one of our cousins decided to dress up as a priest. (laughs) You mean the one that likes boozing it up and and (laughs) whores? Well... He just was telling everyone to give him ten Hail Marys like they were push-ups. And I was just like, and I was just like, oh yeah, the priest costume. Give me, get down and give me ten Hail Marys. <laughs> Which the weird part about this again, because this movie has absolutely no respect for tone of any kind. There is a sub story that happens here where he's like next to a biker gang. <laughs> And he just like says hi to one of them, and the other one, or one of them, and he essentially tells him to eat shit and flips him off for some reason. And then they're threatening him, and then as well, he runs over one of them. Well, that's the thing. He starts oh. driving. He, he once the light changes, he starts driving, I guess. And then there, at some point, when he's not paying attention, he fucking runs over a motorcycle <laughs> gang member. <laughs> 
and this movie takes a sharp detour as it becomes a chase movie. Yeah, so he drives off. It's the first time I've watched a movie where the killer is actually being chased by someone in the middle of the film. It's it, You're right, that is different. But you know what? It's not to say that didn't happen in real life. That's how Richard Ramirez got caught. Richard Ramirez got chased by a whole crowd. Like for the entire afternoon and two on a Tuesday. I think we kind of like, like talked about that when we were watching this film that that this did feel a little Night Stalker to us, which is like, sure, the Night Stalker was something that was very serious and actually frightening, whereas this is like way too super Campy villain and stupid. <laughs> Evil is way too much of a super villain for this to feel real at all in any way. <laughs> that goes to show you like the differences in actual monsters. So he ends up driving away. He pulls into a fucking... So he pays for a ticket to go into a drive-in. And the motorcyclists just drive by him. Or drive drive on in. So he ditches his car in the drive-in. And immediately these bikers start smashing it up. And one of them tries to stop him. He ends up fucking stabbing that guy. And runs. Meanwhile, we get introduced into a young nubile couple... And, uh, well, it looks like they're about, you know, one of them's about to round third base and get to home. Oh, yeah, no, he is literally just rubbing titty, like, on the girl that's in this car. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. This movie, surprising amount of titty. Like, yeah. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, this is, like, totally a time and place where people were more interested in breasts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> disgusting. Not like now, where, like... It's breasts- all about ass, Grandpa. <laughs> we be eating ass in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up essentially kidnapping this girl that was getting felt up like 10 minutes ago. So he kidnaps this girl that was getting felt up. What did he do to the guy? Did he stab him too or did he just like throw him out of the car? No, the guy got thr- the guy basically gets thrown out of the car Grand Theft Auto style. And the girl is <laughs> the one who's stuck in the back seat. Give me your shit! I remember Grand Theft Auto I would do that. Like I would purposely take two cars. Or I would take a car that had two people in it. And try to see how long it would take for the other person to jump out. And they would always jump out when I'm on the freeway. <laughs> yes, and the girl who's getting felt up is now bargaining for her life. And saying that she doesn't really have money, but that she could offer him sex. Which, of course... I mean, know, our, I would offer that as well if, that's, <laughs> if I'm in that situation. Our villain has absolutely no interest in this at all. No, he's like, nope, you're gonna die. You're a dirty slut whore. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he actually says that. This is kind of when I zoned out. Like, oh, you're so bad. You're so bad. <laughs> yeah, well, for real? Is that what he said? No. Oh, okay. Well, that's <laughs> disgusting. So she ends up escaping and runs towards, like, a baseball field? Or, like, a park, right? Sure, yeah. And she's, like, running around, like, these bleachers, and he's going around trying to find her. Yes. Okay, yeah, you guys. We uh, Just kidding. We actually watched it. We because that's the level of professionalism I you can get. I already cut it, so you're going over something that people aren't going to know. Just all right, fine. Fuck you. We didn't watch it. Angel and I had to go rewatch the scene. <laughs> we had to figure out what happened with this girl that was bargaining we, for her life honestly, in the car. Honestly, we were fucking blitzed out of our minds on cocaine and strippers. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, I'm trying to make us cool. I'm trying to get a street cred. <laughs> that is totally something that I would do. You know, a father of one. <laughs> Anyway, so what ended up happening was that they, they the the evil has to stop the car. I feel so stupid calling him evil. He ends up stopping the car because these drunk guys are like, you know, enjoying New Year's Eve. 
And the girl takes off running. He chases her into, like, this park, like, a baseball park area. And the cops are right behind, uh, right behind them. And the drunk guys tell her to go, you know, tell him where they went. And so they scare off evil. And at this point, he runs to the hotel where Blaze is having her big extravaganza, right? So... You know, we went through a lot of stupid shit at this point. A lot of dumbass phone calls. A lot of dumb, like, just just stupid corny bullshit. So, this is where the movie kind of turns a corner and actually becomes interesting. Mm-hmm. So, evil, you know, he, he jumps a cop and you assume he's going to... You, you assume he's gonna steal the cop's uniform so he can walk around the um, so that he can walk around the the hotel because they're in total lockdown mode at this point. So we follow Blaze as her and one of the police officers are escorting her up to her room, and when he le- when he leaves her there. This guy in a mask. Oh no, she sees the son, right? Mm. The, she sees her son, Derek. Derek has throws a little hissy fit and goes running out. And then, yes. and then you know, as she's sitting there and doing a wardrobe change for the next part of the show, this guy in a creepy mask comes out from behind the bathroom. And as he inches closer, first he has a switchblade, which he ends up putting away. And then he puts his hands like in a menacing, choking fashion. And as he gets closer and closer, he find Blaze finally turns around and see this masked guy. And he rips the mask off and says, boo. Scaring Blaze, revealing himself to be evil. But as it turns out, the real identity of evil is Blaze's husband, Richard. Which is a little ridiculous, but I'll say this. I think we both talked about how this is the point in the movie where it actually starts getting not awful. This is an actual good movie plot all of a sudden. Yeah, where, where suddenly, as opposed to this, like, disc jockey, like, getting random phone calls from this random guy making random kills, it turns out that it's her husband who is, like... Doing, I guess, the murder equivalent of hate-fucking everyone because he hates his wife. <laughs> Pretty much. And he, he, you know, he ends up leaving. The cops are very suspicious of him. She goes back into the elevator and apparently Richard can control the elevators. He, he, he plays with the switchboard until the elevator comes crashing down to the bottom floor. And he knocks out the cop that was protecting uh, Blaze. And at this point, he has... Literally feels like a fucking action movie in a comic book film, right? Yes! It, like, (laughs) he goes full Joker. I want him to put on a Green Goblin mask at some point. Like the (laughs) Willem... Peter! No, it's me! The Willem Dafoe Green Goblin mask. That's what it started turning into. Like, he starts monologuing and shit. He has that really cool line where he's like, I can hear your heartbeat. I don't like that. <laughs> and I was like, that's actually something really cool and evil sounding. Oh, yeah. Well, his name is Evil, after all. Oh, uh, now I hate him again. <laughs> <laughs> fucking A. Literally, I feel like a fucking kid wrote this screenplay. <laughs> and it's like, then you can tell where his dad helped him. <laughs> and that's at the very end. 
And then, so right after, right after that, he goes on this huge, he goes on this monologue talking about how uh, Blaze and women like Blaze need to pay for what they've done to him because it's always been naughty women that ruined his life and that she's essentially castrated him. He, he He's like, he's like 20 years before the word cuck became a thing. Listen, I'm going to say this for for all of you fucking wild ass nerds on the internet who like this is how you act. Oh, angels coming at y'all. <laughs> listen. When I get turned down by a woman or a woman hurts my feelings, I fucking listen to Drake and cry for an hour. Like get get the fuck over it. <laughs> Don't turn into super villains. <laughs> Why do y'all got to turn into fucking super villains and Y'all know who I'm talking about when I say y'all. <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> hey, Andrew, why were you looking at a mirror the whole time you were saying that? <laughs> I'm Eve. <laughs> nah, I just listen to, uh, well, I listen to Kid Cudi when I'm sad. Damn. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> well, you gotta listen to Drake. Drake trash. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> so anyway... This uh, supervillain plot inside the elevator where Blaze almost gets murdered by, like, the elevator literally landing. He's so like, his plan is to chain her to the bottom of the elevator. Which, when the elevator goes up, I swear to God, I thought she was going to choke. That's what strained. I thought, too. That is way more practical than the stupid plan he came up with. It was with. super Undertaker Big Boss Man. Like, <laughs> like, the way that the elevator would just rise up. But, apparently, your, plan, your like, thought... If you were like, well, why don't they just have the elevator land on him? And then that's exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> Something I said is like a stupid joke. And I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> wait you guys are serious? Oh, man. This sure was a stupid fucking joke I just made. <laughs> oh, wait. It's the fucking plot of this movie. The only thing that would have been worse is if he just runs over with a fucking steamroller or some <laughs> stupid shit. <laughs> so... You know, luckily, <laughs> luckily, this cop that's obviously not a dirty Harry or a dirty Harry stand-in <laughs> comes in. <laughs> and anyway, so he starts blasting. I think the part that was most annoying about this is that you were literally talking about Dirty Harry while we were watching this. I said, do not soil the name of Dirty Harry when comparing it to this fucking garbage. And yet, it's about a cop who becomes obsessed with the serial killer, just like Dirty Harry. You know, but it all happens in one night, though. Man, do you remember the part of this movie where it reminds us of Zodiac? That's like that's that's recorded like that. That's something that people think we th- actually think now. So the co- or the cops start shooting, and I swear to Christ. In a very stupid, unrelated accident, mm. shoot the elevator switchboard, which saves Blaze from being crushed by the elevator. <laughs> so, right after that, Richard ends up running all the way to the top floor of the hotel. The cops are in tow, and as, right before they stop him, he ends up putting on the, the mask, and I shit you not, gives the Hamlet sleep... No, is it, um... Sleep perchance to death soliloquy. <laughs> and ends up throwing himself off the hotel. Killing himself. And, you know, like, I guess that kind of makes sense. Because it's the fuck you. I, at least you didn't win ending. 
because he was able to get his, he's he, technically, he still finished his objective, even though he didn't kill Blaze. Mm. He still made other, quote unquote, naughty girls pay. Um, But yeah, he's like, he's that certain type of crazy that kind of exists, unfortunately, now on the internet. <laughs> yes. Which, you know, unfortunately, even though they don't do things that are quite as comically awful as this killer does, and they actually do things that are... Actually know, terrible. In real life. Um, but anyway, this movie does end where, uh, you know, he dies. <laughs> and Blaze gets put into an uh, ambulance? Yes. And as the ambulance door closes... Let's be clear. I think probably the best part of this film really is when uh, when Evil finally finds his way to Blaze, and way before they do the reveal of him being her husband, they have the creepy mask. Yeah, because that creepy mask makes its way back. And I'll tell you this, okay? If they just, I feel it, this literally feels like a plot point where a bunch of writers just like kind of sat around and said, "Oh yeah," like halfway through production, they were like, "Oh look at this mask. This mask might be kind of cool. Let's write it in." Okay. Which the crazy part about it is that the mask actually would have made the serial killer in this film like five million times scarier. Yeah, it would have. Like, or if they, if you never see who the serial killer actually is. But well, let's, let's be honest. A, a unmasked serial killer is what Black Christmas did. Except Black Christmas never showed you his face. Yeah, you just see his crazy ass This eyes. movie fucking shows you over and over and over again what this serial killer looks like and makes him a complete fucking goofball. And then reveals him as being someone who's close to the victim of all this tragedy. Mm-hmm. And also just makes him fucking stupid, like I said the first time. Yeah, she, he's fucking stupid. So when she is getting into the ambulance, that's when her fucking serial killer son with pantyhose and then his dad's mask over his head. Which and- is in front of people and no one apparently notices some dickwad in a fucking like creepy tricky dick mask. And he just sits there and he's like, I'll take you to the hospital. And then they just drive off and that's the end of the movie. And then it ends with like them doing one last uh, Happy New Year's for people in Hawaii. Oh, by the way, this is also around the time of uh, New Year's... Or, or I'm sorry. Um, oh, when, New Year's Evil? Well, yeah, it is around New Year's <laughs> Evil. I mean, this is around the time where for some reason all movies had a theme song. Oh, yeah. And this movie actually had a theme song called New Year's Evil played by the stupid punk rock band. Yeah, the stupid punk rock band that we kept going back to over again. Yes, there was absolutely no odd or awkward jump there. Why are you fucking this up by, like, calling attention to the fact that we had to cut? So, Angel, do we like this movie? <laughs> no. Clearly we don't like this movie. Clearly I didn't like this movie. Nobody fucking liked this movie. <laughs> To the point where this is legitimately going to be our shortest episode that we've ever done. A, there's not a lot of plot to this film at no. all. B, the plot that exists is kind of fucking stupid. And C, I thought that this would actually be a more interesting conversation to have. Because it is such a stupid film. But it's not even that. Like, I mean, just discussing this has been fucking stupid film. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of agree with Angel. When we've talked about other shitty movies, at least it was fun to talk about. Like, when we talked about The Room. Bro, I swear to God, I thought The Room was better than this. Yes, The Room is super better than this. <laughs> because The Room actually gave us, like, stupid shots and stuff to talk about. <laughs> like, people actually tried on The Room <laughs> to make, like, a 
a shitty movie good and these people thought where they weren't making a good movie i wish when they re-release this movie that they could actually use like a quote for me that says that says the room is better than this shit dude it's but you know what's really interesting i'm pointing this out when i googled it to get ready for this episode uh, it's like uh, it's like a 13 percent on rotten tomatoes oh shit it's like a 3.9 or 4.9 on fucking IMDb. I want to give it a negative thousand percent. But for some fucking reason, it's like a 4.3 on Shout. It's a 4.3 out of 5. Like, there are actual people out there who are fans of this movie. It just so happens it's not us, and that's a very vocal minority. If you're a fan of this movie, please let yourself be known so we can... Cyber bully you. <laughs> so we can pick on you. <laughs> fuck, dude. That one was... And it's a long hour and 20. Like, fuck. <laughs> I swear to God, I felt like I was watching The Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> how long that movie was. Not for how good it was, but for how long it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. This movie's less than an hour and a half. It's actually an hour and 28 minutes. <laughs> we were at 40 minutes, and I was like, fuck, are you serious? <laughs> But anyway, oh. I'm glad you guys uh, joined us for it. Uh, you know. Oh yeah, you can watch it on episode prime, you guys. <laughs> um, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us uh, for this entire year of this show. Uh, I definitely have enjoyed watching it and watching the movies that we have done. Um, I've enjoyed just kind of experiencing us, you know, getting through this uh, show. And, you know, doing a long-running series was actually really one of the best experiences of the year because I feel like it really helped us kind of find our groove here. So Yeah, kind of for It was literally like the podcast equivalent of Get Good Scrub. <laughs> so, uh, again, like we, like we said in our Rides of Skywalker uh, review... Next year, we're going to be doing some James Bond movies, and I'll release the schedule for that uh, by the end of uh, by by the beginning or second week of January, so that you guys are aware of which movies uh, you should be watching for the show. Yep. And then uh, follow us on the socials. Don't, you know, do we like movies? Pod on IG. Interact with us there. Interact with me if you want. Listen to my shitty takes on movies and uh, Twitter. Uh, you know, at hateful underscore Javi. Angel refuses to give his socials because he doesn't want to get bullied for the last Jedi. <laughs> Please let me know if you like the last Jedi, so the rest of us can cyber bully you now. <laughs> no. Oh my god. Well, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. All right, later, turds.